With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue in Conversation. My name is Brian Salvatore, and joining me and my co-host Chris McShane on the show this week is SNY field reporter Steve Gelbs. As we discuss on the show, Steve is an institution not only on Mets broadcast, but also as part of the Queen's Cookie Club, which you can find Thursdays at 4 p.m. on SNY.TV. We will talk about this and lots more with Steve, so let's get to it. All right, we are joined on the show today by Mets field reporter for SNY, Steve Gelbs. Steve, it feels like you've been on TV forever, but how many seasons is it now that you've been with the Mets? You know, it's wild that you ask that question because I was just discussing this the other day with someone. I can't remember who it was, but uh, the wild thing is that this season will officially be uh, my eighth overall and seventh full-time which wow. is equaling KB's run, which is insane. Because uh, I still feel, in some respects, like the new kid on the block. But, yeah, I, I did 55 games for Kevin in 2014 when he was pulling double duty, doing stuff for Fox as well. And then my first year full-time was 2015. And so this year will be my seventh full season, eighth, uh, if you include that 2014 season, which is just time flies. It's crazy. Wow. Now, you're talking to us from Port St. Lucie, 
And, you know, we were, Chris and I were both down there at the end of last, I guess the end of the first spring training last year. We actually, we, <laughs> we, we, we flew back on like March 1st or something like that. So we were down there, you know, for a couple of days and it seems like it's probably an entirely different experience being down there right now. So can you kind of walk us through what, what it's like from your perspective as a reporter down there during a COVID spring training? Yeah, it's, it's challenging. And I, I have to give the Mets credit because, you know, this is a very difficult thing to try and set up from any organization's perspective, given all, given all the protocols and given the fact that you want to make sure that the, the reporters who are down here have a reason to be down here. You know, and, and when you have so many things being done via Zoom, it doesn't you know, you could do those Zooms from from Alaska if you wanted. You know, you don't need to be on the ground in Fort St. Lucie. So they have done a really nice job with giving us access to the grounds. We don't have any access to the clubhouse, which makes conversations challenging, but, um, you know, getting to observe and, and really trying to maybe be a little uh, more observant than you, you necessarily would be just to, 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 you know, have something to go off of that, uh, that you may not have, have needed in years past. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest challenge is, is trying to figure out the new way to cover a group that that you know you don't have access to discussing a lot with one-on-one uh i think from my point of view it's a good thing that i've been on the job for as long as i have now because i have developed relationships with a lot of players that um allow me to have you know some certain phone conversations and, and talk about things via text but it's it's a challenge for sure especially with a, a team that basically has turned over half of the 40 man so you know i have relationships with a good chunk of players but certainly not with a lot of the new guys and so um trying to figure out a way in and, and a way to meet and form relationships with guys that you don't have any in-person access to is a bit of a challenge yeah i know the even in a normal year um that dynamic down there has been interesting from our perspective and i think people have heard us talk about it on the podcast in years past and uh, you know, when, when we used to gather in person and, and hopefully will again sometime in the not too distant future. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we we have sort of a different level of access, obviously, than than you. <laughs> <laughs> but and we've always appreciated, you know, what what has been available to us. But uh, just even in a normal year watching that uh, sort of different operation of, you know, a one person show, whether whether it was me uh, in, in some years past or when Brian and I were there together. Um, and then a lot of reporters obviously were, you know, are down there on their own, even if they have backup with, you know, editors and photographers and all that, but it's, it's sort of chaotic. So you know, yeah. just from a, a fan's perspective, um, you know, it, it looks like the Mets are doing a good job. It's been enjoyable to, to, you know, see the zoom press conferences Sure. I, I think that sort of opened things up a little bit. And uh, one thing that you know, the, comes the interesting, sorry, not to cut you off. The interesting thing, oh, though, so so I agree with you. I think they've done they've done a really nice job in gaining as much access for us as is allowed right now. The the thing that differentiates me, unfortunately, is that my job essentially is to find things that nobody else has because anything that's public gary keith and ron have heard you know so these press conferences that are public gary's on them he hears them and so he uses that information and 
generally what I do in spring training, the way that I utilize my time in spring training, and you guys may or may not have seen this when you've been down before, is I try and sit in the dugout with as many guys as I can for a, I wouldn't call it an off-the-record conversation because it's it's information that I can use during the season, but it's informal, it's not with a camera, um, and it's long. It's usually about maybe a half hour, 40 minutes, where I you know develop relationships with new guys, where I learn a lot about what's going on, what they've been doing in the offseason, and I'm able to use that insight on the broadcasts. And so, again, for me, the biggest challenge has been how to do that without having that one-on-one access. And, um, you know, again, it's been, it's been different, but I've been able to so far do it with, um, you know, phone conversations with a lot of guys that I've known. And, and quite frankly, some help from the Mets to, to set up some conversations with guys that I have not yet met. So it's a little bit different, but um, for me personally, but again, overall, uh, they've done a good job really opening up as much as humanly possible to, to as many people as, as need it. Nice. Yeah. And uh, I think one thing that I've uh, Mets fans might always be curious about with pre pandemic and, and now um, you always get to ask the first question uh, at a press <laughs> conference, which is, which just has to be nice, but is there like a running list of how many times somebody else has been like, Steve, you stole my question. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say there's a running list, but we do always joke around that on the days that there's a nationally televised game that we're not doing. Sometimes the other reporters are caught off guard when I'm not there to ask the question. And so it's like, all right, questions are available for, for Terry or Mickey or, or Louie. And, uh, there's like a 30 second silence before somebody raises his hand because they're waiting <laughs> his or her hand because they're waiting for, for me to be there. But, uh, yeah, it's, listen, it's great. A lot of times it can be painful when the team is struggling, you know, um, right. the, the second half of 2017 was a real eye opener for me because, you know, my first two full-time years in 2015, 2016, they were always relevant. They were always, um, you know, in it till the end, made the playoffs both years. And so there was no shortage of people wanting to ask questions. And then in about August of 2017, when the, the team had fallen out of it, really at that point, you know, the writers don't need to extend these press conferences. They're, they're going to write about the game. There's not too much else that needs to be done. And so, you know, I'd ask my first question or two and then there'd be silence and they'd say, all right, well, that's it. T- time to go. And again, from a a TV reporter's perspective, you're trying to give your post-game show as much content to work with. So you learn pretty quickly that when the team's struggling, you need to come to the press conference, not just with one or two questions to kick things off, but with five or six to keep them going if nobody else has a question. So I don't think that's going to be that much of a problem this year. I have a funny feeling that that they'll be uh, pretty darn relevant, but but that was certainly an eye-opening experience in 2017. Nice. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned national broadcasts. Now, I guess the polite way of saying this is that Mets fans are spoiled by having great broadcasts all the time. Um, but you, Gary, Keith, Ron, uh, everybody involved at SNY, I, I assume, watches most of the games that aren't broadcast by your crew. Uh, when you watch those games, are you able to shut off the broadcasting mode and just sort of take it in or are you sitting there you know 
itching to get back and taking notes on on what you see in those uh, those broadcasts. No, it's it's very difficult to shut it off. You know, you're so entrenched in it, and baseball is such a unique sport in that it's every single day that watching the games from afar on TV, it's very difficult to just kind of sit back, relax, and and watch what's going on. But yeah, we listen. We watch every second because you can't be unprepared for the next day's broadcast by not watching what happened the previous day. I will say that the, the biggest thing for me when I watch again, this is just, and I think Gary would say the same and Keith and Ron would say the same. And our producer would say the same. When you watch it, you're always thinking about it as if you're a part of it and what you would add to it in that, in that situation. So normally when I'm watching it, you know, something will happen that I know I have a, a nugget on and it's like you just want to say, oh, I got something here. I got something. Let me let me come up because you don't know when that's going to happen again. I mean, that's that's kind of the unique thing about my job as well, that, you know, I'll I'll gather all this information. And one of the reasons why I think our broadcast is as good as it is, is that we don't really try and force anything down your throat. So I learned very early on from my producer that, you know, I could have five stories ready to go at the park that day but if nothing happens in the game that makes that story relevant to use we won't use them so sometimes you have something where you're waiting two months to get it on the air and generally just because it's murphy's law i'll be waiting to put something on the air and then that broadcast that we're not doing is the one that i see it happen (laughs) and i know that that was my moment, and now I may never get one again. So that's that's how I watch these games usually. It's very hard to just kind of shut them off and, and observe. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, you know, as somebody who ha- who watches you know all the SNY broadcasts as well as many of the national broadcasts, what I love about the SNY presentation is that you guys never take away from the game itself. I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the ESPN broadcasts yesterday, and I'm not throwing ESPN under the, under the bus. I know that their audience is different than the SNY audience, but almost every inning had an interview during it. Sometimes it was a split screen. Sometimes the interview took up the whole screen and action was missed. And I think that one of the beauties of SNY is just that it's the most entertaining broadcast I watch because all the people involved are so good, but it also doesn't scrimp on the baseball. So how important do you think it is from an SNY perspective to make sure that every play is shown and that there's not a lot of unnecessary bells and whistles to the broadcast? I think it's a core principle of what we do. I think it has a lot to do with the fan base and how smart the fans are. And I'm not just saying that to, to blow smoke. I think Anybody that knows this franchise and knows the franchise's fan base 
knows that um, it's extremely knowledgeable. It's a fan base that doesn't suffer fools, and it's a fan base that that doesn't just want to watch the games, but but wants to pay attention to the intricacies of the games. And so, I think having first of all Gary as our captain, the guy who has grown up uh, with this franchise from day one and has watched you know almost every inning that has ever been played. I think he gets it more than anybody, and so that's what you do. And, you know, listen, I, I keep going back to things that I learned. When I first came into the, the broadcast, I mean, listen, we, we don't need to sugarcoat it. I had no idea what I was doing compared to what I, I know now, which I think is natural. But, you know, most people, when they are doing this job, I think generally – Sometimes different things are asked of, of field reporters, of sideline reporters. And I had come from doing a lot of sideline reporting for four years at MSG Varsity, which was a high school network where, you know, it was a lot different. It was a lot of kind of, you know, I mean, we were talking about high school kids first and foremost. So you're doing everything is a feel good story and, and, you know, this human interesty stuff. And I learned pretty quickly that sometimes that plays, but Sometimes it doesn't, and oftentimes it doesn't. And, and we're going to you know, dig into the real nitty-gritty baseball stuff, and we're going to tell it like it is. And uh, again, I think it's, it's a core principle of our broadcast to pay attention to the baseball, to make sure that we're presenting the most knowledgeable broadcast possible because this is what the fan base asks of us. And then at the same time, and I think this is also key, at the same time, we want to make sure that we recognize it's still a 162 game grind. Not every single second of every game needs to be so heavy and that the, the joy of the game and the joy of um, the, the personalities that we have on our crew needs to be shown as well. And, and that there are going to be blowouts where the baseball is not what you want to talk about, whether it's a blowout win or a blowout, blowout loss. And that's where we try and get creative. And, and we try and make sure that no matter what's going on on the field, we're going to find a way to entertain this fan base. So it's kind of a long-winded way of, of answering your question, but it is something that is very conscious from our end. And uh, for me, it was very obvious from day one that this is, is something that matters to this particular crew. Well, speaking of things that matter, I have to give you a hand here. I thought that your interview with Dom Smith last year around the time of the Black Lives Matter movement sort of rising to the surface was a really, really well done interview. And I really appreciate what you brought to that and giving Dom the opportunity to to, to just show his heart because Dom seems like such a great guy. And he was seems so he seems so genuine in all that he says. But in that moment, especially, it was so important to get his his take on that. And that's something that I don't know if every team or every team's broadcast would have put together something like that. So talking about that interview, what, what did you feel your responsibility was going into that? Did you feel that you had to be the voice of the fans? Did you have to just step back and let Dom talk? So how did you, you know, prepare and navigate for that interview? Yeah. You know, that was, I don't think that I'm, I'm overstating it when I say that that was the, most uh, most I guess sensitive interview that I've, I've ever had to do and there's a lot of anxiety that goes into doing something like that because you don't want to as the broadcaster 
make it about you in any way, pretend like you have any idea what he has gone through, what he is dealing with, what emotions he has. And you want to make sure that um, that that you allow him the space to say what he needs to say and what he wants to say. And so for something like that, you have to prepare, but then you have to more than ever listen and kind of feel, if that makes sense. Um, sure. So, you know, like, listen, if you if you become too too uh, set in what you are trying to ask or what you think you need to ask, then when three minutes into the interview, unexpectedly Dom starts to break down, uh, you can get stuck. And so it's, it's a very, again, it's a very delicate situation, but for me, it was one that, um, I was, I was, I was proud of Dom certainly for for you know how he's gone about all of this um and i was grateful that he trusted me to be the one to again just kind of help help him navigate through that through telling his story um so yeah it was it was listen it was tough and i think the toughest part of it is just what you said that on a human level Dom Smith is as good of a person as you will ever meet. Everything you said, everything you observe as he looks like he is, you know, as good as they come. It's not it's not a look. It's not fake. That's him. And so it's impossible to not feel devastated for what he he is going through in those moments, you know. Uh, the same way that it's impossible to not feel devastated for him when he he spoke up and broke down again uh, during the season. So, um, you know, it's it's just again, it's one of those things where I think sometimes people who are in this industry can get stuck on the 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 X's and O's of the job. You know, how am I going to ask this question? How am I going to react to this? What What's the best way to phrase this? When in a situation like that, more than ever, you have to just be another human being that is empathetic and is having a conversation with someone who is dealing with something that you are not dealing with and don't know what it's like to deal with. So you have to respect that and kind of give him the room to breathe and and talk and discuss. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it came out the way it did more than anything, because Dom was glad that it came out the way it did. Yeah, that's. Uh, that really was one of the silver linings, uh, uh, you know, in the baseball world and in the world that we've all lived in over the last 12 months. Um, you know, that that interview and his willingness to open up and share, um, you know, because no, no player, no person has that responsibility that they have to do it. But uh, the fact that he was willing to open up and, you know, to, to us as Mets fans and, and people who were in the Mets orbit, you know, all the time, Dom Smith is a pretty significant player, but, you know, he might not have been a household name uh, across Major League Baseball before. You know, he's he's established himself very well, uh, you know, but he's not uh, Francisco Lindor, just as a, you know, a, a comparison sure. of, you know, somebody who's out there on that level. So, you know, for, for all of the negative things and, and 
on, you know, even just doing that interview uh, on Zoom, you know, that that adds a whole other element to, you know, that the emotional aspect, but you're, you're still doing it through a screen. So, you know, that feels different. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I think that all, uh, I don't know, it just, it, it gave Mets fans another reason to feel lucky to have, you know, the things that we do uh, and, and players and people that, that we do. Um, and on a lighter note, you, you know, Dom is part of the crew. Uh, you guys just dropped the first episode of the second season of <laughs> the Queens Cooking Club. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm just curious. We, we know, uh, I guess it was uh, what Anthony Giacomo wrote the story about the teams. Yeah, we were there. Yeah. We were in St. Lucie when that broke last year, Chris. Well, yes. so let me, I have to say, and I, I give Tony so much, um, so much grief for this because I was the one who discovered this story the season before <laughs> the last day of the season. I did it on the broadcast and then, and it didn't get any, nobody, nobody picked it up. It didn't get any sort of legs. Um, and then Tony wrote it the next spring and it went everywhere. And so now everybody says, well, you know, Tacoma was the one that broke it. And I listen, I'm more than happy to give most reporters credit, but never Tony Tacoma. That, you know, I got to I got to take that right back from my boy, Anthony. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so <laughs> with, with that, uh, I guess, you know, what what brought it about? I'm sure part of it was yeah. the pandemic. <laughs> And, yeah, no, no. So all kidding aside. Yeah. So what, what ended up happening with with the cookie club and it, what? Listen, the pandemic has been uh, a shock to everybody's system. It's been so awful, obviously, to deal with. But from, you know, if you try and ever find silver linings in, in certain things, I think from uh, strictly a broadcast point of view, when you look at the, again, silver linings of, of what we've had to do it forces you to get creative and, and try new things. And so the, during the shutdown, you know, from my point of view, I'm just looking for ways to still bring Mets fans content. I mean, that's generally what my job is right at its core. It's just to, to connect you guys with the players. And so my initial idea was once a week, I will call up another player and we'll have, you know, a 15, 20 minute conversation about what they're doing during the pandemic, during the shutdown. And that'll be that. Uh, none of us at that point expected that it would be more than, you know, a month, maybe a month and a half. And so it didn't seem like too daunting of a task to get a different guy every week. Uh, first guy I reached out to is JD because he's just, you know, he's the greatest. I mean, you know, and he was like, yeah, 100 percent happy to talk. And then he said, you know, maybe depending on how long this goes, maybe I can get Damo to do, we'll do an interview together one of these days. And I said, you know what, why don't you and Dom just do it together this first time? Like, let's just, let's do an interview together the first time. He's like, all right, yeah, I'll see if Dom wants to do it. And, and Dom was, was down to do it. And so we set up a time to talk and I started thinking about it more and more. And I said, you know what, watching the dynamic of these two guys last year, I know that if I can find a way to unlock that and let them be themselves together in some format, the fan base would love it. And 
So I said, maybe instead of getting a different guy every week, let's just see if they're willing to do it every week. And I reached back out to them before our first taping. And they said that they would be happy to do it and that they'd try and bring on some of uh, their teammates throughout the year. And so it just kind of evolved very quickly. It was a very kind of innocent thing. And I don't think any of us expected that that the fan base would would embrace it the way that they have. And so, you know, we thought it was going to be a one-time thing. And we did 12 episodes last year. And then uh, we're able to, to bring them back this year. It's going to be just a five-episode second season. But we're going to go right up to opening day. I think our last episode is actually going to be at four o'clock on April 1st, three hours before opening day. So, um, so yeah, we're excited. It's, you know, it's just one of these things where we have some fun with it and hopefully it, it shows the fan base, the personality of this group, because it's a pretty uniquely great group of guys that, um, you know, are just really enjoyable to, to be around, and I think that it, it comes through in that in that setting. Well, that's actually that perfectly sets up where I wanted to sort of close things off with you today. So I was talking with some Mets fans yesterday, and we were discussing how this might be the most likable team in our lifetimes as Mets fans. With Lindor being and Cookie Carrasco being added to the team, it just seems like this team is good guy after good guy. In terms of you covering the team, does that just make it so much more fun and so much easier to do your job when you know that there are all these guys out there who are just legitimately nice dudes who are more willing to go the extra mile maybe for you or just even not blow you off the way that maybe some folks in the past would have? No doubt. No doubt. And I think anybody that tells you otherwise is lying. You know, we're listen, we are innately as reporters, you, you're, you're taught to be objective and uh, whether or not these guys are, are good guys is not going to change how we cover them. But to say that having a, a truly great group of people to cover is, is the same as having malcontents or, you know, people that, that maybe, um, you know, get a little too big for their britches. It's, that's just a lie. It's, it's not true. And so it is a great group. Listen, it's been a great group for a number of years but it seems like the additions between, like you mentioned, Lindor, McCann, Carrasco is a, a great guy in my limited interaction so far. Some of these other guys, you know, Trevor May, I had a conversation with Trevor May the other day for close to an hour, which was just fascinating. And again, these, you know, a lot of these newer guys, I've never met them in person before. And so for them to be willing to give me time like that sight unseen, it, it shows you a little bit about what they are like, you know, at their core. So, um, so it's a great group. And I don't think that that was an accident either. I think that in having some conversations, yeah, the Mets targeted first and foremost players that they thought were going to enhance their ability to win games on the field, but they targeted players that they thought would fit really well into an already really positive culture in that room and um, and I'm someone that having been around now as long as I have tends to believe that the chemistry of the group, the way guys are in the clubhouse is um, is actually a lot more important than people. People generally think it is. It's it's something that is overly critical. And I do think that this group, while extremely talented, seems to have brought in the right mix of guys to to help 
you know, propel them to that next level they want to get to. Well, Steve, we got to let you go now. Tell folks where they can find you online. And if you have anything you want to plug, go right ahead. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. You know, it's at Steve Gelbs on, on Twitter and Instagram. And just check out the Cookie Club whenever you get a chance on SNY.TV. It's Thursdays at 4 o'clock. We drop a new episode every week. And uh, the first one's up right now, so you can check it out on, on SNY.TV. But, guys, thank you so much. This was a blast. And uh, whenever you want to do it again, you let me know. All right, Steve. We appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, and good luck down there. And hopefully it won't be too long before, you know, it's safe for more people to be at ball games. From your mouth to God's ears. Thanks, boys. Thanks for listening, folks. We truly appreciate it. Go to AmazonAvenue.com for all sorts of Mets news. Because we are in the midst of spring training, there is just so much that we are covering. Player previews, uh, open threads for spring training games. We're trying to bring you all the Mets experience whenever we can. So check it out at AmazonAvenue.com. We are also on all your social media apps at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. You can find us. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Needs an App. Chris is at Chris McShane. And until next time, let's go Mets.